Hello and welcome to the DFS Coach Talk podcast. Today is Thursday, March 5th. I am Joe Sarvati, affectionately known as Coach, and I am joined by the Red Hot coming off GPP cash last night, our NBA DFS GPP Pro, Andrew Hansen. How are you today, Andrew? Are you doing that uh, money angel on the floor where you, you know, <laughs> spread the money around or what's going on? You know, I've been too busy this morning to do that. I have a local sports podcast that I recorded this morning, but I am feeling pretty good and excited for this four game slate. Definitely want to have a big night. And, you know, really the goal is just to have a better day than Kevin Porter Jr. yesterday because, oh, <laughs> you know, he crushed the, uh, the, the DraftKings lineup, but Thankfully, he wasn't involved in FanDuel, so we, we cashed that tournament lineup. But can you imagine showing up, you don't have your jersey on to start, and then you get injured, you have to leave the game? I mean, that was just, that was rough. What a comedy of errors. Oh, now, I can tell you when I coached, uh, I did have it happen where a guy, you know, took off his warm-up to check in, and he, all he had underneath there was his, like, Under Armour kind of thing, no jersey. So I've I've actually physically had it happen during a game. I was like, what the <laughs> hell? So yeah, but for a pro to do that, that's that's nuts. That is nuts. And then to get injured on top of that, Andy was highly owned. Right. So he is going to be on the poo-poo list for many of us DFS players for some time to come. There's no doubt about it. But it was funny though. I got to say that much. Uh, that the. the you know, not the injury, obviously, but the, the uniform fiasco. So they'll think he'll take a little ribbon from his teammates on that one. Oh, yeah. Probably just for a year or two or maybe the rest of his career. It could be for sure. <laughs> um, awesome stuff, man. Yeah, it's weird. A four game slate. I, this is like the smallest slate since we've started. It's weird to have that. And, you know, I'm a fan of the big slates and you're a fan of the smaller slates. So this is like. A hundred percent in your wheelhouse tonight. Yes, indeed. Can't wait. That is awesome. And do you know that we are celebrating two weeks as an organization here at DFS? That's right. It's, it's Thursday because we came out of the All-Star break. The first games were on Thursday. Yeah. So that makes sense. Two weeks. Isn't that nuts, man? I, I cannot believe it. Um, we uh, The cool thing about it, too, is we had uh, one – a day where we did two slates and we're going to do that again this Sunday because it's a, a splits uh, slate. Um, but so we, we are 11 and three, which is pretty awesome. Um, very, very proud of the team. And uh, I'm personally 61 and 24. So as long as I stay above that 70% mark, I'm going to be really happy. So we keep digging away and, and uh, trying to knock that out and, and get it done. It's been awesome to see the growth where uh, we passed, uh, had our first day of 1,000 downloads of our podcast uh, yesterday. So that was pretty cool. Um, and, you know, all kinds of milestones already. Yeah, that's that's a big number. So we got to just keep crushing it here. That's right. No no rest for the weary, my, my uh, buddy. That's right. <laughs> All right. One thing I want to do before we jump in is uh, something that I think our listeners will absolutely love, and it's an important tool. It's one of my top 10 in my preparation every single day. I mean, this is one of the must-dos 
on my preparation list for the card. And since we only have four games, I wanted to go over it and definitely want to look at this because I'll tell you, you know, if you're using a couple of different things that you're looking at when building lineups, this is one of them you have to use. And the beauty of uh, not having to worry about all of this, though, if you if you come with us at DFS Coach Talk, uh, you know, you can sign up just by going to DFSCoachTalk.com and the subscribe page. You know, all of this information that we share from time to time with you when we have smaller slates like today uh, is already being utilized by myself and, and Mike and Andrew and going into everything that we're putting forward when we are in discord and putting out the the lineup so uh but it's always good you know uh, i always encourage everybody to get involved and and you know know the numbers know what's going on but uh the statistic is defensive real plus minus so it's it's a great stat to look at drpm is what everybody refers to it and what it does it takes a statistical analysis of every position and how they the true number uh However, they come up with that. They come up with a true defensive rating by all of the factors, and there's a ton of factors that go into it. But it, it gives you a good indication, and I'll tell you, once you look and hear some of these guys on the list, you'll say, of course, that makes perfect sense. That's what I'm also seeing with my eyeballs. So let's go. What I thought we'd do today is go over the top like five or six guys uh, at each position as far as the best defenders and the five or six worst defenders at that position. Cause that gives you, you know, that's mainly what you're looking at who to target obviously, and who to avoid uh, on the other side of the coin. All right, Andrew. And I'm interested to see if you are surprised by any of these guys. So as far as the point guard position, uh, the top defenders against the point guard position are Patrick Beverly, number one, Chris Paul, number two, DJ Augustine. How about that one? Number three, Avery Bradley, number four, and Marcus Smart, number five. I mean, four of those five to me are just dead cinch obvious. What do you think? Absolutely. Especially being in Boston, being a longtime shared season ticket holder of the Celtics I had a lot of fun watching Avery Bradley, Marcus Smart, <clears throat> and I've definitely agreed with all the analysts over the years who've talked about Bradley as the best on-ball defender. I've just been amazed at how he can shuffle his feet and stay in front of the ball handler no matter what. I mean, it's it's incredible. He's like the ultimate shutdown corner in football. Yeah. So, you know, him being in the top five is 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 not a surprise at all. And, and you know what it comes down to, you know, when, when I used to coach and the, the, the part that I used to teach, yes, you have to have a low center of gravity. Yes. You got to be down. You've got to be focusing on their waist because they can't juke you with anything above or below the waist has to stay put. But what those guys do well and what separates them, they anticipate, they watch film. They know who they're going against. They know guys like Harden are going to go left. 72% of the time. So they're not only doing all those things perfect, but they're anticipating the next move because the NBA guys are so good, so quick. If you try to react after they've made your move, it's too late. So what those guys do a lot of time is they guess and they guess right and they beat them in the spots. Uh, I'll tell you who's 
fun to watch do that too. And he's not on this top list yet, but Kyle Lowry's amazing at doing that. I mean, he just jumps the spot. I mean, sometimes it backfires, but most of the time he is just beating him to the spot. And that's why he leads the league in charges, but uh, fun, fun stuff. All right. You want to hear the ugly side of it? <laughs> I do. Okay. Here's the bottom six uh, from sixth worst to the, the champion worst. Uh, Jeff Teague, Darius Garland, hence the Cleveland backcourt go against them all the time. Dennis Smith Jr. This one breaks my spirit because I love this guy, Kobe White. And then you've got Frank Jackson. And I bet you you can guess who's last. Uh, Trey Young. Bingo. 86 out of 86. Somehow we lost two people off this list from the last time, but <laughs> it must have got sent down to the G League. Yeah. But isn't that interesting? So there you go. You know, some some very good stuff to go off of. Uh, all right, we'll keep rocking and rolling. Let's go to the shooting guard position. We'll count down from top to – we'll give you the top six here. The best defender at the shooting guard position right now in defensive real plus minus in the NBA, Gary Harris – we knew he was tough. Here's one, Alex Caruso. How about that? Here's a guy that's made a career out of it, Wesley Matthews. And then a little love to our man, Micah Patria, his favorite player in the NBA, Kent Bazemore, fourth best shooting guard defender. And Dante DiVincenzo and Jalen Brown tied 5-6. Not bad. Yeah, no, not a shock there. You get two guys from Milwaukee, and sure enough, Milwaukee, the best team defensive rating in the NBA. Yeah, that, and they have been that all season long. So there's a boatload of shooting guards. So this is going to be very embarrassing for for this last group. Oh, my God. There's 128 shooting guards right now. I'm going to go through this last one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, because they're – if you make the fourth page, you deserve to, a mention here. And there, there's eight <laughs> eight guys as the worst eight defensive shooting guards. Alonzo Trier, so that doesn't really count. He hasn't played enough. Uh, Mr. Forget My Jersey and Get Hurt, Kevin Porter Jr. So there you go. He goes further down our list now after last night in this stat. Um, Malik Monk. Marco Guterich, that's not really fair. Um, this one I knew, D'Angelo Russell, 125th. That could be why Golden State sent him packing. Here's a guy for you. This is You're the left-handed version of this guy, number 126. I hope you don't play D like him. J.J. Redick. Oh, and yeah. This, yep. This is extremely disappointing for a young guy that I thought could be a, a starter and a good player in this league, but this is concerning. Second to last, 127th, Anthony Simons. That's a shocker. And then dead last, you should be able to get, because I've talked about it all year long. Bradley Beal. Bradley Beal, 128 of 128. That ain't good. You put 50 up on one side, let 40 up on the other. You know, I guess it's all the way you want to look at it. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, you know, this this reminds me, I want to make a point about these rankings. I think they're terrific, but yep. I think you should always take them with a little bit of a grain of salt when you start looking at shooting guards, small forward, 
because some of these labels are fluid. I mean, D'Angelo Russell being labeled a shooting guard here right. is is tricky. I don't, I don't think you want to just look at the opposing roster and say, oh, well, whoever the shooting guard is that I think is the shooting guard, then he's going to go off tonight because, you know, R- Russell may guard the point guard a lot that night and, and matchups change game to game, week to week, or even within a game, you know, guys will, will share responsibilities for guarding somebody. So I think you, you always need to take these with a grain of salt. I don't think you can guarantee that a shooting guard or a small forward is necessarily going to get a quote unquote shooting guard or small forward from these rankings. That's going to guard them on a particular night, but I do think it's important. And that's why I'll say I want to use a wing player against the wizards because I'm talking about whether it's a shooting guard or a small forward, you know, I'm hoping that that guy will get Beal defense. And I, that, that's why sometimes I'll say wings and, and make it sort of a broader category. That's a great point, man. And, you know, that's why I, you know, started this off by stating, you know, our pros here, we, I have about 17 things that I look at. That's why it takes me five or six hours. And this is one of them. So do I think this is important? A hundred percent. Is it like the end-all, be-all? Absolutely not. If you just go off of this list, it's going to be too skewed. But if you're looking at the grand scheme of things when you're building your lineup and now you're down to your last two and, you know, it's very close, if one of them's being guarded by the 40th-ranked guy and one of them's being guarded by the 128th-ranked guy, that could be a differentiator in that type of scenario. But you got to get to that point with all the other stuff you're using. So yes, it's helpful. And we're going to continue to share, you know, uh, some of these 17 different things that we mainly look at uh, when building. So, so, so people can have more input, but you're absolutely right. There's some pos- positionality differences that affect the number. There's some team defensive schemes that affect the number. Uh, there, you know, trades and minutes played that affect it. So yeah, it's not a perfect science or a magic bullet, but I'll tell you, it's a great factor when you're looking at the the big picture and putting a lineup together. Absolutely. I, I do like it a lot. So I'm already ready to look forward to these small forwards. Who do you got? Would you believe number one in the league, best defensive small forward is a guy that got absolutely criticized last season, almost to the point it, it tarnished his Hall of Fame career. LeBron James, number stinking one. How about that? That is that is noteworthy, and this is a perfect example of what I was just talking about. I mean, the Lakers call him a point guard, but right. you know, here he is slotted as a small forward. So small I think forward. you just there you go. Yeah, how do you rank that? I don't know, but the the bottom line is if you know just the eye test last year, I don't think he really gave a shit because he knew they were dead, and he like you know he just didn't bust it on D. This year he's getting after it, and man, the numbers are showing. That's for sure. Yep. But. Uh, very interesting. All right, number two, Chris Dunn. We knew that. He's hurt, though. Number three, Kawhi Leonard, of course. Number four, Jimmy Butler, of course. Here's one, though, for you. Royce O'Neal. And he's gotten a lot of minutes, so that's a nice guy to know, uh, keep in the back of your mind, that can defend. Yes. And then Tobias Harris is six. So that's, uh, you know, Tobias is an all-around player. That's that simple. He... He gets it done on all sides. All right, we're going to do the countdown, the, sh- the the walk of shame here for small forwards. I'll give you a couple extra. Um, 
Jay Crowder, you would never believe that. I thought he was a defensive specialist kind of guy, didn't you? Yeah, well, he's got he's got versatility. He can guard big guys. He does a decent job staying with wings, but he is getting older. So I think it's more a function of, you know, the miles on his body kind of catching up with him. I mean, when he was here with the Mavs, you know, that was what granted three, four years ago, whatever. Uh, Carlisle would often put him on the other team's best player. So I don't know, like you said, if he's just getting older or what's going on. But that, you know, that does surprise me, I have to say. Um, Kelly Oubre Jr., that's a little upsetting for a, a young guy that's coming on. DeMar DeRozan, I think we've seen that a little bit this year. Here's another one that just completely baffles me and a guy that I thought they brought in for defense, James Ennis. Mm. Isn't that surprising? He's actually yeah. starting for Orlando now. Right. The only thing is, he, you know, his minutes probably aren't as high as a lot of these other players, so smaller sample size. And then the other thing you have to remember is sometimes with these guys, if they're put on the other star wing, well, yeah. they're, they're, they're trying to defend the an all-star, right. um, you know, whose rating wouldn't be low. Yeah, that's true. Well, mine wouldn't, but you know, <laughs> mine would, I'd be up there and, you know, taking charges, but that's a different story. All right. And then second to last, Kevin Knox, the youngster, uh, probably short end of the stick for not enough minutes. And then Solomon Hill wins the small forward award, uh, the new Miami Heat player that probably won't see the floor very much. Um Let's go to power forwards, and it's uh, pretty easy who's number one. You want to take that guess? I'm giving you all the layups. Power forward defense. Number one. Number one. Anthony Davis? No. He's eighth. Okay. How about, for some reason, the guy that's coming to mind is Jeremy Grant. Nope. How about if I give you a clue? MVP? Oh, Giannis? Giannis is number one, buddy. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So anybody that thinks he's not, you know, MVP material because of the three-point shooting or whatever, take a look at the fact that he's the number one defensive guard uh, or power forward in the league. So number two is Bam Adebayo. That, that's pretty stout. Uh, we know Jonathan Isaac is awesome. He's number three, but he's hurt, but fantastic defender. Here's the superstar here, Jason Tatum makes the top four. And then I'll give you a few more just because I'm Dallas Maverick bias, so I could get down to him. Aaron Gordon and Chris Stapps Porzingis. How about that? Wow. Uh-huh. Then Anthony Davis. So pretty good list of, of some good defenders there. A lot of, you know, some shot blockers and uh, – Definitely guys that we don't want to target very much unless it's a, a tough situation. Okay, here we go. Bottom of the barrel. Eric Paschal. Oh, poor dude. He's, yeah. James Johnson. That's a surprise. Uh, our buddy uh, Roy Hashimura not gaining the defensive con concept yet. Triple J is on this list, Andrew. No wonder he's sitting out. Yeah. Jabari <laughs> Parker, which we knew was not a good defender. Uh, this one's disappointing for a guy that's starting now. Juan Hernan Gomez, second to last. 
92nd. Well, there you go. There's a, some insight. We got to attack the Timberwolves in the paint if we've yeah. got James Johnson and Hernan Gomez on this list. They're both on the on the bottom uh, six, yeah. And then dead last, the everybody's uh, all star. If he gets the opportunity to play, Michael Porter Jr. Worst four defender in the league, sir. Number 93. That's that's surprising. There's, yeah. they, they take pride in defense in Denver. Yeah, that's not going to get him extra minutes. That's a no, good thing not. to notice. He'll never play over Jeremy Grant and Millsap. Those guys are good defenders. So, yeah, he's going to keep riding the pine till he turns that number around. All right, this should be – I'll give you an, another layup since you missed the last layup. We'll let you follow it back up with your, <laughs> with your strong hand, the left hand. No way you're going to miss this one. Number one defensive center in the league. Uh, oh, strong. Oh, Rudy Gobert. Bingo. You got it, man. Second is going to stun you, though. I can't believe it. Zubach from the Clippers. Yeah, I, I, I did look at these rankings recently, and I saw that the Clippers centers were higher than I expected. Yeah. And, and that's, I th- again, I think that's some sort of noise or something funny going on with I think he gets these labels lift. and rankings. Well, I think he gets a lift from playing next to the, you know, George and, and right. Kawhi. Exactly. So I, I'm sure that factors into it. But the bottom line is, you know, where we've we have said recently attack the centers for the Clippers and uh, sometimes it doesn't work out and we're wondering why maybe it's not as bad of a a spot as we thought uh, somehow well, the, the rotation is, or whatever yeah. you know I mean the other thing is he doesn't play that many minutes and if you get a center who gets more time against Harrell he's I think he's a higher ranking defender than I expected the last time I checked as well but on Trezel. Um, yeah, but like like you said, I think there's some an, an impact on these stats because of Kawhi and Paul George and the rest of the crew. I mean, it could be. It very well could be. I don't see Montrez. Maybe they haven't listed. Uh, let me see, because that is an interesting fact. Because if it affects uh, Zubach, it it should affect also affect Harold. You know what I mean? Yeah, but he's just much more often playing with other subs and, you know. That's true. Lou Williams and and, uh, other guys like uh, But, you know, Zubach is facing the other team's starting center where Harold gets to go against the second string guy. So, you know, that's interesting. All right, number three, Daniel Tice from Boston. Uh, The Joker's number four. Brooke Lopez is number five. I think that's because of the shot blocking. And that's those are the top guys. And then the bottom centers in the league. Oh, boy. Okay, interesting. A couple of rookies, so it doesn't really count. They haven't played enough. But Jackson Hayes and Goga Batazzi are down there. Jaleel Okafor hasn't played enough. Damian Jones hasn't. Kyle Quinn hasn't. But dead last, 65th, one of the highest paid guys in the league. Mr. Carl Anthony Towns. That hurts. Yes. We do target against Towns. And yep. actually, Minnesota's defended the center position better with Nas Reed and James Johnson and those and James Johnson and, and 
Hernan Gomez are lousy. So I'll tell you, you put that whole group of guys together, man, let's, you know, one point, one takeaway from this little study today, attack that front line for the T-Wolves. That's, that's right, uh, the rest of the season. That could be the donut spot right there. All right, dude. Good. I hope everybody enjoyed that. We're going to try to do that when we have these smaller three or four game slates because uh, I think it's a lot of it is helpful. Now we get to go over the injuries, and thank God it's not you know a small novel like it's been in other days this week. I updated it here uh, 10 seconds ago, so we're getting the real deal. Kevin Looney, Kavon, sorry, Kavon Looney for the uh, – Warriors is out. Corey Joseph is probable for Sacramento, as is the starter in front of him, De'Aaron Fox. We actually have a 50-50 questionable on Mr. Marcus Gasol. He could be back in the mix. He's been out forever. And then hit the other center for Toronto, Serge Ibaka, also 50-50 questionable. So that's massive, you know. Did you see what Chris Boucher did this last go around? Yeah, 19 and 15. Good God. I know he went berserk. Yeah. And he was like 1% owned, if that, less than that, I think. Um, that was nuts. But uh, so Gasol and Ibaka, we don't know about them. And to make it worse for that Raptors fiasco, Fred Van Vliet's also 50 50 questionable. So that game is going to be a, a nightmare. And guess what? In that game, Draymond Green, questionable, and Stephen Curry is playing. He's confirmed in. So how in the hell do you figure out <laughs> what is he going to play? It doesn't say anything about its limits restriction as far as minutes. You know he's going to have one. So we need that information. We need to know about those three Toronto guys. We need to know against about Draymond. So that game is a complete I, – I don't even know if we should talk about it yet. It's too volatile, you know? Well, the good thing is it's the last game of the night. So as we record this show, it's going to be the last one we talk about. So maybe in the next 20 or 30 minutes we'll get some news <laughs> before we break it down. Oh, God. I don't know, man. And, you know, with, with the no late switches on uh, FanDuel, that makes it tough, uh, you know. I am not taking blind shots at any of these scenarios uh, if we don't get some news. But DraftKings, you know, you can do it. DraftKings, you can plug a few guys in and then flip them out. So that's something different. Um, Damari Carroll's questionable for Houston. Devontae Graham, that's a big one. Questionable 50-50 for Charlotte. And Paul Millsap is back. He is already confirmed in. So that gives us the updated injuries. Everything seems very simple in three of the games. And then the fourth game is going to be rough. So real quickly, as we, we'll go through these four games, uh, don't forget to check our website out, dfscoachtalk.com. Uh, join in. You know, we do the, the whole three-step deal. This is going to go out, uh, this podcast. We recommend everybody listen to it, take some notes, get some thoughts, build some uh, original lineups, holder lineups, and then, you know, watch the news throughout the day. Check us out uh, on Twitter at DFS Coach Talk. You can also follow our three pros here. I'm at J-O-E-S-A-R-V-A-D-I. He is at Language Olympic. 
And our man Mike is at M-I-K-E-A-P-O-T-R-I-A. So follow that news throughout the day. Uh, and then we recommend that you jump into our Discord, become a member, jump in. That last 45 minutes or so, we really start breaking it down, talking about the slate, uh, post lineups 30 minutes before, and then just ride it out until lock to make sure there's no late changes. Because, you know, you can't take any gooses. You can't take one, you know, Kevin Porter Jr. situation. You can't avoid that. You don't know a guy's going to get hurt. But I'm just saying, one guy like that, you know, if he would have just played his regular minutes, for example, that GPP line on DraftKings would have been solid. But it's that important to not, you know, take a guy that uh, isn't going to get a full allotment of minutes. If it happens to be by foul trouble or injury, then, you know, that's just variance. It's going to happen sometimes. Hope You know, hopefully uh, it doesn't. But uh, that's that's important to do. And then. Uh, that's it. You know, just uh, you can catch us seven days a week wherever podcasts are heard. You know that. And uh, we hope you're with us every day. First game, all four games are at a different time. So a little stagger action here. The, fir- the first game is seven o'clock and it is a super, super, super low game. Um, the total is a predicted total 70 points lower than the game ended up the other day that on that big one you played the over on, Andrew. So we're talking 70 points here. It's the Denver Nuggets at the Charlotte Hornets. You have the 29th and 30th, two slowest teams in the league. So this game, they are going to have to uh, increase the shot clock, I think, to like 48 seconds instead of 24. <laughs> and, and you also don't have a bad, too bad of defensive teams. Um, 10th for Denver, but I guess, no, Charlotte's all the way down to 24. So... They are not getting it done. Denver's a 10-point road favorite. That silly 207 total. Denver's a 108 and a half uh, implied, and you we've only seen this two or three times all year. A team with an implied total under 100. Charlotte is only 98 and a half, and you know they don't know if Devonte Graham's even going to play. So, yikes! What are you doing here, if anything? Well, not much, because I'm not expecting much. You mentioned the low total, and when they played before, they combined for 186 points. So it would be strange to really predict anything else. Yeah. And in that game, it was one of those messes where everybody on Denver, you know, just played in the 20s. Nobody did very much. So I'm most likely to look at the bench here or for a peripheral guy. In terms of the starters, though, I I do kind of like Barton. He's 5.6. He got up 18 shots last time out, so he's getting a little bit more aggressive. I do like to attack small forwards against Charlotte. So I'll keep an eye on him. And then in terms of the bench guys, I think Mason Plumlee could be a value here, 4.1. Uh, he played well against these guys off the bench in only 17 minutes, and he was facing Biombo, yeah. and he put up a strong line last game out in only 14 minutes. He almost had a double-double. So in a game like this where you're not really looking more for scorers as much, just guys who are going to get out there, get some rebounds, a couple putbacks, block steal. So he's a guy who could pay off value. And then 
On the other side, I, I really am curious about this Devontae Graham news because you mentioned the great defense of Gary Harris. So I'm looking for a guy that's not going to go against him. And if Graham starts, um, then hopefully he won't have to deal with Gary Harris and Gary Harris will be on Rogier. I think Graham could be very low owned in tournaments. So I'm keeping my mind open here to possibly playing him um, as a low owned tournament guy. And then the guy that I've been watching is Jalen McDaniels. He's at 3.6. Yeah. He's had at least 19 minutes in five of the last six. Wow. And he's one of those guys who, you know, he's long, he's tall, he gets you some rebounds. He's not a great scorer yet, but pretty decent shooting. The only concern is uh, he is going to go against Jeremy Grant most likely. Yeah. So I, I may shy away from him in the end, but I, I do want to mention him again for our listeners. Got to keep an eye on. Not bad. Uh, yeah, it's, I mean, it's a good take. You're going to be surprised here. Would you believe that, you know, I, I'm pretty sure I'm going to play J- the Joker tonight at center. Really? I really am. And the re- here, there's a couple reasons, you know, just with all the research, but, you know, what it comes down to is Charlotte's sort of been playing roulette at center where they, you know, play Bismack, then they play Hernan Gomez, and they play uh, Zeller. Zeller. Yep. And they're all – and then one of the guys will get it, did not play coach's decision, and then he'll start the next game. So they're, they're a complete disarray at center. Uh, Bismack's decent defensively, but I don't believe he'll get the majority of the run. The other two guys are terrible defensively. And it was exactly what you said is the, really the, the core reason. This is the kind of game that fits the Joker. He, you know, this is, and this is a great note to make, and I followed this super closely this year. When he plays against uh, big up-tempo teams, you would think play the Joker because it's more possessions, you're going to get more touches, more rebounds on missed shots, all those things. You think, okay, great. You know, it's just usually automatic when a team's in a big pace up spot, he's going to do great. But consistently throughout the year, the slower the team that they play, the better right into his hands it plays. Because even though there's less opportunity, he makes way more of the opportunity because he get you know he's in the center of the play he's not trailing it he's already set up to to make the pass for the assist he's in position to get the rebound and I'll tell you he's one of the best offensive and defensive rebounders in the league he's one of if not the best de- uh, assist man at center in the league and you know he'll get some different ancillary uh, things uh, statistics. And even when he's going against the the Hernan Gomez and the the uh, Zellers and stuff, he even gets some blocks and some other things in there. So if they do blow them out and it's a 10-point spread, which isn't, you know, a guarantee, uh, we know that Denver took uh, Minnesota for granted the other day as a 15-and-a-half-point favorite and got beat. So I think they come out in this game pissed. I think that he'll play well that that factor and you watch it throughout the season track it when Denver goes against other slow teams Jokic goes off when they go against fast teams he doesn't do quite as well which is opposite of what it should be but statistically the only from what I explained is the only reason I can figure that so he I know he's expensive I think he's going to go under owned 
because no one is going to want to really take a guy at that price in a game that is expected to be this low of a total and this low of a pace. So that's my reasoning there. Um, you know, he's probably the only Denver guy that I will roster. I don't want to certainly stack anybody in this low game. Uh, on the Charlotte side, I just need the Devonte Graham news. You know, if he uh, doesn't play, uh, then it changes things with their rotation. And then I think uh, either Terry Rozier or, or uh, maybe Miles uh, comes into play, Miles Bridges, or, uh, you know, the, in those two in that scenario. If Devonte does play, then that shifts out, and I, I probably won't play anybody. But the last, you know, I don't know if Devonte would be guarded by Harris or by Jamal Murray. So that's the other thing that I want to dig into because Murray's not a very good defender. So right. if he does play, whichever one Murray's going to guard, whether it be Devonte or Rogier, that's where I would like to go. And here's the thing. We're going to get starting lineups because this is the earliest game. So you'll get some coach talk and you'll be able to see sort of what the matchups are. So I can see myself easily rostering uh, the Joker on one side and one of the Charlotte guys, uh, depending on that defensive rotation. Yeah, great breakdown on Jokic there. I was just looking back through his game logs, and sure enough, he had one of his best fantasy totals in recent weeks against the Lakers, and he had his best outing against Utah. And the two, go, the two you would think he'd do the worst against, right? Yep, yep. Yeah, yeah. So you know, at least I'm not full of baloney all of the time, Andrew. Right. Yeah. Once, once in a while, I'll throw something in there that has a little <laughs> validity to it. <laughs> right. <laughs> all right, dude. Let's go to game two. It's eight o'clock game. The Los Angeles Clippers at the Houston Rockets. Uh, the it, this game is a pick'em, so that doesn't happen much this year. It seems like so it's a dead pick'em. Two thirty-six and a half is the total which is the highest on the board. And both teams uh, check in at 118.5 implied total, which happens to be number one and number two. So, you know, this game screams stack me, I guess. Uh, plus you have the Clippers are the eighth fastest team, Houston's third. But the small red flag to not total stack, Clippers are fifth best in the league defensively. And the Rockets are an impressive 13th. They've actually gotten uh, better and better at playing small ball. So I don't know, man. I mean, yeah, you got to stack this game. There's super, superstars on both sides. I get it. But how much is too much in this game is the question. Yeah, I agree. It, it says stack me. But then you, you look at the prices and you look at how usage is distributed with the Clippers and it becomes more challenging. I, I think the Houston side's a little bit more attractive just because of the way they play, the number of guys they play, and, and how things shake out. Uh, so if you start with the backcourt, Harden is averaging over 64 fantasy points against the Clippers this year with a good sample size of three games. But yeah, in the Pat, Latin, Bever Pat Beverly likes to get it in his grill. You've seen it several times. Yeah. He, he still smokes him, though. He's been excellent. Although in the last time, the last game these guys played, Westbrook really st stepped up and had 40 points. So, yeah. uh, as usual, pretty hard to predict which way to go there. Right. But 
certainly going to look at our, our boy Covington, who we've been talking about recently. He's been oh, excellent. He's been so good. Yeah. 46 fantasy points and then 49.75 his last two. And DraftKings, they haven't priced him much. They haven't priced him up as much as we think they should at this right. point. He's still only 6.7. Yeah, it doesn't so, make sense. The guy goes 8, 9x, and they won't price him up. I don't right, get so, it. All right, I guess we'll just keep playing him. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so um, I'm looking there. And then the three other guys in the 3K range are worth considering. P.J. Tucker, Eric Gordon, and then Rivers. Um, I would probably go through them in that order uh, and – I'll be I'll be looking at that for sure. On the Clippers side, I, I'll keep saying it. I just don't like the way that the shots are distributed. Kawhi Leonard is really the only guy who consistently will get you 20 shots. Yeah. Um, but he hasn't really gone off against the Rockets. He's just been solid. So I I really don't think I'll go there much. Paul George is a, a bit of a wild card because he's got that lower price tag at 7.4. Yeah. You know he certainly could go off. Um, Beverly is, is too cheap, but he hasn't been shooting much and he hasn't been playing as many minutes cause we've got Reggie Jackson involved. Yeah. I, th- I think Reggie Jackson's worth a look. He's, you know, more of a scorer than Beverly and he's only priced at 4.3 on DraftKings. And then Montrez Harrell, I think is, is an option at, at 6.5. So, um, yeah, this is going to be a lot of fun national TV game at eight. Great game to watch, and I definitely will have exposure to it, but it's not quite as easy to stack as as you'd like. Now, it, I mean, we we were coming across the every single game. Let's face it, every there's three teams. Or I'm sorry, uh, three teams that are just it's just brutal because the Clippers with the George Kawhi thing is is probably the third of the three because Kawhi's a lot more expensive. But the Westbrook Harden thing with Houston and the LeBron Anthony Davis thing with the Lakers, I mean, every single night, uh, you know, a couple of those teams are playing and it's always not cut and dry. You know, that's the tough part. Um, I'm going to go with what I think is an underpriced Paul George. He just it's too low, I think. Yeah, it is. He can can drop 40 on anybody. He really can at any given minute. Real points. So, you know, I'm just going to go with. Make, let the price make the decision for me there. The one guy that I'm going to play for sure because he carries such a chip on his shoulder normally and a quadruple chip uh, when he plays the Houston Rockets is Montrez Harrell because he rotted on the bench there for a couple of years and barely got into the game. Uh, and, you know, he gets to go back to Houston and you know he wants to show out and just smash and they're not playing a center. So, you know, he's going to be guarded by Covington and House and guys like that. So I think he's, I think he's, you know, this could be a 18.15 rebound kind of game for him at a cheap price, cheaper price tag than most at that position. So that's my favorite guy in this game uh, and Paul George as well. You know, the question is, do you spend the money and pay up here? Uh, for one of the other three stars, or are they going to split it? For me, I'm probably not going to go there with Westbrook and Harden today just because I respect the Clippers' defense, and I'm going to spend up for the Joker. So, you know, unfortunately, we live in a salary uh, world here and just can't play all the guys we want. But 
you know, if I can come out of these first two games with my base being the Joker, Paul George, and Montrez Harrell, I'll feel pretty good and still have enough money in these last two games uh, to build something. So that's sort of the way I'm looking at the game. You know, not that I'm saying fading both Harden and Westbrook is ever a smart thing, but if it's, you know, if there's anybody to fade them both on, I guess the Clippers would be one of the top choices, you know? Yeah, good point. And I'm glad you came out strong on Montrez Harrell because it made me look back at my notes and I'm reminded that these two teams have played three times and right. in all of all of those games, Clint Capella was playing for Houston. Yes. So Montrez had a much tougher matchup. Big time. So much different story tonight. And 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 also take note there that he still smashed pretty darn good against Capella. So the fact that he was able to, to have good games against Capella really should, you know, shine even better with going against Covington or House or whoever's going to, or Tucker or whoever's going to guard him. So interesting. All right, buddy. Two games, both late, 10 o'clock, Philadelphia at Sacramento. We have the Sacramento Kings, a five-point favorite over the Philadelphia 76ers. How low has the, the 76ers dropped that they're a five-point dog to Sacramento? Exactly. Um, amazing. 218 and a half uh, is the total. 112 for Sacramento, 107 and a half for Philly. Pace, not good. 19th for Philly, 25th for Sacramento. Defense, not bad, with Philly actually sixth. But again, a big asterisk because uh, that's not even close to sixth without Embiid on the floor. It's probably more like 12th. And then you have Sacramento at 18th. So, you know, I guess there's your usual suspects for Philly with the guys out and, you know, that are going to be chalk city that you're going to have to go after. But uh, the question is, you know, which guys from Sacramento do you throw in the mix? What do you what do you think? Yeah, I agree. You got to start Chalk City with Philly with the three big guys out, and Tobias Harris is under 8K on DraftKings, so he's in that same price range as Paul George, and I probably will build a lineup or two with both of them. Yeah. But we, we talk about stacking games, and this one is actually a lot easier to stack than than Houston and the Clippers. Everybody's price is just much more in that mid tier where you've right. got so many guys between five and eight K. So I've, I've already built a, a lineup here where I've got seven guys from this game. And wow. Yeah. You're kidding. No, it's going to be one of the lineups I play. I don't know if it'll be my front runner, my, my wow. number one lineup on the night, but um, I mean, just think of it. It's the, it's the other higher total with a close spread. So I think, you know, you're probably more likely to get uh, the type of outcome on this one than the one coming up next, Raptors and Golden State. I mean, that's a bit of a wild card with with Steph Curry, and we don't know who's playing for the Raptors yet. But this is just a game that's, uh, you know, it's under the radar compared to the Clippers and Rockets. It is. And, and it's, you know, the Kings are so balanced with, Fox, Bogdanovich, and Heald in terms of, you know, those are the three guys that are consistently getting over 10 shot attempts, more like 15 or so. So, you know, if you if we get the same thing we got last night, you know, like overtime game with Dallas and New Orleans, 
then the stack that I put together for FanDuel paid off because I had yeah. Drew Holiday, Lonzo Ball, and Ingram. And you know that yeah. you know all three of them had real strong games. So same thing, same sort of approach here with this lineup. You know, get those three guys in the lineup for Sacramento, and then you can get Harris, Horford, and mix in a couple of the other guys for Philly. How much are you a Nicolo Melli fan after he drains that corner three to send that game to overtime for I you? loved it. Oh, <laughs> when when they were going to review it and they'd called it a three on the floor, I was like, okay, great. So at least they called it on the three. They're going to need that conclusive visual evidence to overturn it. Yeah. But then on that replay when they zeroed in on it and talked about, of course, Porzingis right in front of him, what a shot. I know. It was ridiculous. I mean, the first of all, the dude was 0 for 8. He had zero points in the game. Then he catches it, gets his feet down where both toes are like a quarter of an inch behind the line (laughs) with a seven foot three guy in your grill and drains it like nothing but the bottom of the net. That was something because that That really got uh, got us over the top. Those extra minutes for all those guys. Yeah. Yeah, that was fun. Uh, But anyway, so so this so give me these who who are the stack guys just give me an idea of like the seven or at least some of the seven, if, if you would. Yeah, well, you can stack Fox, assuming he plays. He's been playing really well. Uh, and then Bogdanovich and Heald. Those okay. are the three guys. I mean, there's a chance that only two of them go off. Um, you know, Heald, I think, is is a little bit more risky. Yeah. Because, um, you know, him being in the doghouse, we just don't know. Don't um, know. And the crazy but- thing was the last game, I don't know if you were tracking it, but he had like. 26 fantasy points in the first half and then almost nothing in the second half. Yeah, he's he's been very very hard to figure out this year right. and I think it's it's Walton. I think I don't think those two guys like each other and I yep. think it creates problems. Yeah, that, but, that's so, an issue. So the three guards from Sack and then obviously the Chalk City on Horford and uh our man Harris and then yeah, who and else? Shake get a, a, a shake? Shake is here. Shake's getting a shake with me. Okay. Uh, and then, you know, I'm curious about the lineup here. We know that Brett Brown does different things. Yeah, that's, um, one, way, that's one way to put it. <laughs> yeah, so, I mean, it could be we, we've seen Glenn Robinson start. Um, he played 30 minutes last game. Yeah, we've yeah. seen Thibel in there. We've seen Burks and Korkmaz, uh, Mike Scott. Yeah. So I'm going to wait and see what the starting lineup is. Um, well, you're, not, you're probably not going to get it, bro. That's a 10 o'clock game. Yeah, you're probably right. Yeah, that's true. Um, I guess guess a, a better way to put it would be I'm going to wait and see what news I do have. Okay. Um, and not necessarily who's starting and who's coming off the bench because right. sometimes it'll be the guy coming off the bench who will get more shots. But uh, anyway, I'm just going to try to get as much information as I can before I make the decision on which 76 are to play. I'm with you. And How I, about I, you? Who's well, who standing up for you? I'm with you on the chalk with Philly. I mean, you know, just usage. You know, you start looking at usage. That's the thing we'll do uh, on our on the next time we have a short slate is go over the whole usage process because that's important to know. But, you know, I mean, Harris is going to get the most shots and Horford's going to get a lot of minutes. And, you know, both of their usage with all of those guys off the floor literally goes up like 15 points each i mean they're neither one uh, harris's usage was decent it was like close to 20 but now it's ridiculous it's like 38 and horford's had shrunk down to like nothing he was not 
getting like he was almost not even in the rotation for a little bit there and his you know he was in the teens in usage and now you know with all of these guys out he's jumped up to high 20s so you know both of those guys I know they'll be chalk but I would think with the with a fair price on both of them I'm surprised they haven't uh, made Harris more expensive aren't you yeah that's why it, it jumped out at me these under 8k uh, I really like that on DraftKings. I was surprised at that. And he, he and George just seem like mispriced to me yep. uh, I mean, in the in the grand scheme of things. So I get those guys. Really, I, I don't know if I want to gamble on the other Philly guys. It just makes me too nervous because you just never know. Cork Moss went off for, what, like 27 one game? And then, you know, Shake had that spectacular game. So I don't know. I mean, I'll look at it and see the pricing and see if it fits. Uh, Sacramento, you know, I generally don't trust them. I know De'Aaron Fox, uh, has to be considered if he's going to play a full allotment of minutes just cause he's been so explosive lately. Um, and I prefer playing, playing him cause again, you know, that whole healed and Bogdanovich sometimes can be a fiasco and one guy gets screwed out of minutes, you know? So that worries me a little bit, uh, the best scenario was when Fox was out and they were playing both Bogdanovich and Heald. That made it a lot easier. But, right. uh, yeah, I'll, you know, I'll probably lean Fox, but, I, you know, my secondary guy there would be Bogdanovich, too. I think he's still going to get more of a run. And, you know, the fact that both Bogdanovich and Heald get run in this game and they don't have to face the likes of, you know, Josh Richardson and, you know, some of the other really stout Philadelphia defenders – will help matters for sure. So, uh, you know, it'll be, I've, I'm with you. We need to do a little more work on this one and see if we can get a little bit more coach talk to feel comfortable with uh, somebody, you know, some of the guys that are going to get more minutes because of the injured uh, people. So, all right, man, last game, 1030, late night sweat, starts half an hour later and everything else, and it'll be an interesting game as the Steph Curry world comes back into reality here does he come out and splash eight threes in his first game or does Kurt you know play him 15 minutes and he doesn't do anything either one could happen so we know that three of the starters for Toronto are questionable we don't know how Curry's going to affect the rotation there we don't know if Draymond's playing so I'm going to turn it over to you and just say to our podcast listeners, I wish I could give you more insight into this game, but we have to have more news because if, you know, if I tell you to play uh, Lowry because the whole team's out for Toronto and then the rest, all of them are back, then Lowry doesn't become particularly a good play. So I'm not going to go out there on a limb uh, with some of these guys until I know the news. But I will say at this point, Toronto's an eight-point favorite. It's a 225.5 over-under. As far as pace goes, Toronto's 12th, Golden State 14th. Defensively, to take note, Toronto is second, and Golden State is 25th. So that definitely is impactful. But all of those numbers I just read are based on all those other guys playing. So if the five guys we mentioned don't play, then you can sort of chuck those uh, numbers out the window uh, because it's not realistic to who's on the floor. So 
that's my that's my whining about this game. So what do you think, man? <laughs> I'll try to take it from there. Um, yeah, for Steph, I think it is more likely that he would hit eight threes. But you being a cash player um, would be hard to invest in him in his first game back. Yeah, but it's it's you know, terrifying. You know, yeah, I don't want to sit is. there and watch him sit on the bench because then I, my blood pressure goes up. <laughs> we don't want that. <laughs> no. Um, so, yeah, I, I'm going to keep thinking about Steph, um, but I, I would I would not bet against him. So um, I, you're going to put Curry in day one. And I love it, man. You're such maybe. a shooter. Isn't your, your <laughs> league game tonight? Don't you play tonight? It is, yeah. There you go. So that's why you're doing it. You're, It's like you're trying to feel the, the Curry splash brother mentality so you can go out there and drain eight threes yourself. Hey, anything, anything I can feel that's anywhere close to him, I will take it, and I will look for it and cherish it. So we'll, we'll, now that we found out Reddick's one of the three worst defenders at his position in the league, we'll, and Curry's back, you'll no longer be the left-handed Reddick. You'll be the left-handed Steph. How's that? I I, I will take that because I I'll, I'll I'll admit I there have been times when I'm sh- when I'm shooting around and I try to actually feel like him. I think about his shooting form yeah. and it's you know it's so loose and it is obviously so so, something you want to emulate. Um, no doubt, no doubt. So I, I am a big fan. I, I can't lie. I'm a little bit biased on that one, but um you know the thing is it just jumped out at me that he's 8k i mean you're never going to get steph curry at 8000 on DraftKings, except in a scenario like this where right. there's a lot of uncertainty so uh, it's going to be a big decision between him and fox in some of these lineups because they're the exact same price tag so um that'll be something to, to monitor here throughout the day um and i agree it's it's hard to project much with the rest of the warriors because draymond's questionable so we don't know if we're interested in Pascal as much or not, same thing with Marquise Chris. Um, on the Toronto side, I do want to mention that if all those guys are out that have been out, then interesting how the shot attempts have been clustered so much with Siakam, Lowry, and Powell. Yeah. And if I'm, if I'm not mistaken, you stacked those three guys the other night. I had all three of them, yes, and yep. they, they did great. Yeah, those were the three guys. They all got at least 15 shots. Yeah. Um, so that's important to know if all the other guys are out. And then, like you mentioned, Boucher is somebody I've played a fair amount here. He's he's so great in terms of upside with the fantasy points per minute, but very so volatile. Risky, man. So, so risky. risky. Yeah. yeah, definitely more of a tournament play than cash play. Completely. But, but yeah. yeah, keep your eyes on him. If if those those other bigs are out, then he will be in my player pool. I'll tell you the the one thing I will say, and I like your take. That was a, that was a good job. I I will say a couple things. Curry is playable for me, and I'm not sure if I'll do it, but because his injury was a hand, he had a broken hand. If it right. was an ankle or a knee or something weight bearing, then I would definitely expect a very slow progression. But he looks, you know, just seeing him there, he looks perfectly fine and fit and everything, yep. and. So I'm sure he's done all the running that you can do uh, and everything to be in perfect shape to, you know, because let's face it, if he plays 25 to 28 minutes against Sacramento, he's he's probably going to make value. I mean, at, at 8000, I would I would expect. But, you know, you know, you got to absorb it. It's not like 8000 is, you know, a giveaway. So 
but I, I do agree with you there. And I, the fact that it was his hand helps. And the fact that Golden State just doesn't really have anybody to score the ball. What it does do is it takes away my wonderful DFS love affair of, of putting uh, Damian Lee and Jordan Poole on my team all the time. <laughs> it yeah, just that, blo- it blows that up like a you know it's all gone. water cannon. I could say goodbye, sayonara. Sayonara. And I I pretty much rostered one of those guys all the time with with uh, but that's over. So uh, time to move on. But uh, the the other thing I want to say about Toronto and and I, I've said this on the last few shows. Pascal Siakam is officially one of my top three players in the NBA. I love his motor. I love his uh, just intense passion when he's out there. There are only a few guys like the Russell Westbrooks that play at that. Like I'm giving it everything I have. I am extending 100% of myself to try to make this layup over these two guys, regardless of the, possible injury outcome or whatever you know you don't find many guys that aren't just a little bit guarded you know and i i'll take the westbrooks and the siakams all you know as much as i can because you know you're getting their very best every time up and down the floor and i think siakam what i've seen in especially since the all-star game where he came back with that new confidence i've seen him raise that up to that superstar level now so He's going to be in play for me because Golden State is not good defensively, you know, uh, fifth, sixth worst in the league. And uh, he would be the one guy, even with all the noise of all these other guys in and out. Certainly if the guys are out, Siakam is a 100% lock in everything that I play. But if they're all back, I'm still going to use them, but maybe not quite to the extreme. And then the rest of it, we just have to wait and see what the news is, is what it comes down to. But I'll tell you what, I've I've rostered Toronto a lot this year, like you mentioned. And if some of the guys are out, I mean, in any scenario, Lowry can step up and be phenomenal. Van Vliet can, Abaka can, uh, certainly uh, Siakam can, and even uh, Powell can get it done. He he's had some monster games. So um, those are it's a team I like to target, and they're going against the Warriors. So. I'll have some action on that game for sure. I just hope I get a little bit more news, you know? Right. Amen. All right, dude. Anything else that you can think of from the basketball side of the world? I think we went through it pretty well. I feel good about it. I'm excited about the slate. Uh, Stay tuned and and follow the news and um, let's get after it tonight. I mean, that's what we have to do, man. Right now, you and Austin Rivers are priced the same, so I got to make that decision on do I do I put you in there at that utility spot or I roll with Austin Rivers? Yeah, go with know, me. Man. He's he's got the weird dynamic going against his father on the other side. You know, he's hey, don't forget earlier this year when they he got his dad tossed out with the team. I know, that? I know. <laughs> <laughs> so it's just it's too many emotions going on for Rivers. You got to go with me. I'm more of a cool head tonight. I don't know. I'm, maybe just to the fact that Curry's back, uh, you know, that correlation of you and Curry, I, I might have to do that, man. Excellent. You have to do it. I appreciate that. Uh, Apatria, by the way, he's in the G League, so we don't <laughs> have to worry about him. Right. Yeah. All right. We have gone over everything. We like to finish the show every day and mention 
an organization that we support greatly. You know, we started DFS Coach Talk a lot, you know, pulled the button to do it a lot because of just the Mamba mentality that that uh, Kobe has left as his memory. And his uh, his wife, Vanessa, put together MambaOn3.org uh, for the, the families of the survivors uh, or the, the ones that perished in that accident. So it's a great place to donate. You know, we're all part of the basketball family, and it reaches throughout the world. Uh, go to M-A-M-B-A-O-N-T-H-R-E-E.org, and, uh, and you know, you'll feel good about it. So we, we recommend that you do it. And we thank you for joining us. It was a little bit longer today because we wanted to throw that extra uh, thing in there where, you know, you get some statistical analysis of how we sort of do our preparation. And uh, whenever we have these three, four game slates, and generally they're on Thursdays. So uh, most of the time, Andrew and I will will do those. Um, but uh, we hope hopefully you uh, got something out of those. You know, comment, let us know. Uh, you can follow us everywhere podcasts can be heard. We're on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, Podbean, iHeart, Spotify, YouTube, everywhere, uh, including additional places. We always ask the one thing we ask. This is free seven-day-a-week content in front of the paywall, and it will remain that way. We just ask you to rate, review, subscribe, push the little alarm button on YouTube, give us uh, five stars and a little comment to join in a, a each month we're going to have a drawing for a free month NBA membership uh, for anybody that puts five stars in a comment on iTunes. And, you know, the thumbs up are huge on YouTube. That helps move us up the list there as well. So join us every day. You're going to get only our pros that are putting the lineups out at Coach Talk. So, uh, you know, we, we enjoy it and we love the feedback. Hit us up on Twitter, uh, comment on, on the uh, podcast, and we are happy to accommodate. So we thank you so much for joining us for another uh, episode of DFS Coach Talk for my fellow NBA pros, Micah Patria and Andrew Steph Curry Hansen. I am Coach. We will catch you again tomorrow when we look to crush it in NBA DFS. <laughs>